getting to look a lot. Snow and more snow. Get out the snowshoes and the shovels. My name is Dustin Johnston. I'm the director of Life Leadership College and oversee Next Gen Ministries here at Life Church. And uh, it's officially December. I want to welcome you to the month of December. And you can probably tell with the weather change, I have uh, my annual cold and flu that I'm kind of just getting over now. And so I feel better than I sound, I promise. Uh, so just if you'll, if you'll give me a break with that, I will do my best to still preach the word that God has given me today. Uh, now that it is December, I, I wonder if any of you have put up your Christmas tree like we have at our house. Your Christmas decorations, have you? Yeah. Uh, we we just got up our Christmas tree, and I'll tell you this uh, to start off. Uh, it, it defeated me this year. We have a, uh, for the past six years or so, we have had a pre-lit fake Christmas tree that we kind of assemble. Uh, you just put the pieces together and you plug it in and it works every year without fail. It's not a problem at all. This year, however, uh, when we got all the pieces together and uh, ready for the big reveal, right, all the lights to come on, we plug in the tree and literally every single one of the lights are burnt out on that fake Christmas tree, uh, which so defeating for me because, one, I'm not going to go and replace all of those lights. I'm probably just going to discard the tree. Uh, but two, I think, low-key, my wife got exactly what she wanted, uh, which was a real Christmas tree, which is now standing proudly decorated in my living room at home. Uh, and, and so uh, we, have to, we have to give and take a little bit in the Christmas season. Uh, with the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations, uh, th there's also the Christmas music, which is kind of fully in, in uh, it, like, it, it's happening now. Uh, maybe you are one of the insane people that think it's okay to play Christmas music before Thanksgiving, right? And so you, okay, oh, we've got a lot of insane people in here, great. Uh, and you've been listening to Christmas music for weeks on end now. And for others of you that are a lot more sane, you have waited until after Thanksgiving and then you've started playing your Christmas music. Uh, whether you're in one camp or the other, we are all okay now. So we can all listen to Christmas music. Uh, and everyone has their favorite Christmas song. What, what's yours? Take just a moment. Maybe tell the person beside you. Share what your favorite Christmas song is. Just take a moment to do that right now. Y'all must be whispering because I can barely hear you. Maybe for you, you like uh, a Christmas classic like Jingle Bells or White Christmas. Or for you, and maybe it was like for me, uh, growing up, my mom would always play this one particular song. And every time I heard it, I knew that Christmas season had arrived. It's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Yeah? Uh Maybe for you, you actually enjoy some of the more spiritual ones. So, Mary Did You Know, or Silent Nights, or one of my personal favorites, Oh Holy Night. I like the song for so many reasons. Uh, that there's, there's one in particular, though. I, I really like the song's 
honesty. A lot of Christmas songs, right? It's just like everything's cheery and bright. We're all happy. Uh, but there are a few Christmas songs, this one in particular, that is just real and raw, doesn't pull any punches. I want to read just a few of the lyrics to you, uh, and I'm not going to sing them to you, especially with the condition my voice is in now. I'll just read a few of the lines to you, and, if, and try to remember and see if you can place them in the song. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Are you familiar with those words? I want us to focus on one particular phrase right there, and if you're a note taker, then this is also the title of this message. The weary world rejoices. The weary world. I don't know about you, but I don't think that there is a better word to describe the place that we live in today. Do you remember, it was only two months ago now that 58 people were killed and 546 people were injured in the Las Vegas shooting. We don't even have to go back two months to, to, to see a heartache and heartbreak on a national scale. I mean, every day now, it seems that you can turn on the television or go online. You'll hear about another story of harassment or abuse that is breaking in the news from people that we respected and people that we trusted. And those are, just, those are just things that are not really affecting us personally. I know that you have got your own weariness to bear from, from job loss to strained relationships, unanswered prayers to the reality that this might be your first Christmas without a loved one. We cannot ignore the fact that we live in a weary and an exhausted and a hurting world. So where, where do you sense this, this, this season? Where in your life are you feeling the weight of this, of this weary world? Is it your finances? Is it in family relationships and tensions? Is it, is it health issues for you? Maybe it's uncertainty about the future. With Christmas season coming, you know that the new year is approaching, and with that, you don't know what is, what's to come. What, it, what is it for you? What contributes to your weary world? For far too long, I think that modern American Christianity has attempted to smooth over the rough edges of, of life. And we're like, hey, come to Jesus and everything will get better. And we preach this narrative. That, and the, the only problem with this narrative is that it's not in the Bible. 
And not only that, it's not reality. You know that if you've lived any amount of years on this life, that we live in a weary world and we have weary lives. And for you, this year and this season might be weary. But this has been my prayer for you leading up to this weekend, that if you find yourself in a weary world, whatever it is, financial or relational or physical, it doesn't matter, that you would rediscover a thrill of hope this Christmas, that you would actually find reason to rejoice. Why? Because the story of Christmas reminds us that even in the chaos of the night, there's still a new and glorious morn that is about to dawn. So, how do we find peace and joy and hope in the midst of a weary world this Christmas season? How does the weary world rejoice in the middle of its weariness? And that's, that's where we go to our Bibles. If you want to go, grab your Bibles or grab your smartphones and uh, find the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Yeah, you don't hear that sentence too often, do you? Especially during Christmas time. No one's like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Turn with me to Lamentations. I'm not going to give you the time that you need to find the book because we'd be here all day. Thankfully, with smartphones, you can just type it in. And unthankfully, the majority of you are not going to look at your phone or your Bible. You're just going to wait until the words magically appear on the screen. Either way, as you're turning to the book of Lamentations, let me give you just a little bit of background. It's the year 586 B.C., and the city of Jerusalem is in shambles. Now, the people of God are in absolute ruin, so much so that the prophet Jeremiah is fully depressed. The prophet Jeremiah, he is the one that is actually writing the book of Lamentations. And within it, he is depressed. He is in despair. He's mourning and pouring out his heart for his lost people. He's lamenting. That's, that's why we get the title of the book, Lamentations, because the author is lamenting over the hardships of his people. But here in chapter 3, there is this switch that occurs. That there's something that happens within Jeremiah where he moves from this woeful mourning to this moment of audacious faith. If you'll look with me, Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Have you ever felt that way before? My soul downcast within me. Verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have what? Hope. Why does he have hope? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. If you are here this morning, 
and you desire to regain this lost hope in the midst of your weary world this Christmas season, then you'll want to write down these three truths. You'll want to accept and believe and trust in these three truths from our text this morning. Number one, the presence of grief is not the absence of God. The presence of grief is not the absence of God. Grief does not only step into the, the, the situation and the equation when God bows out. That's not reality. First of all, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And secondly, God is near the brokenhearted. That's scripture. He will never leave you nor forsake you when he is near the brokenhearted. It is in your grief that God all the more resides. It is in the despair. It is in the frustration. It is in the unanswered prayers and the questions that you don't know the answer to where God finds himself every day in your life. I'm not going to pretend here. Look, life is sometimes hard. Life is frequently hard. Life is always hard for a lot of people. And we find ourselves in a weary world. But that does not mean that God is far from us. And that does not mean that God is blind to our pain or deaf to our cries. Do you remember the Psalm of David? Maybe one of his most famous ones. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it say? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Huh? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That does not sound fun. That is not a place that I ever want to be. Yet it is a very real reality that all of us find ourselves in at some point in our life. The valley of the shadow of death. And some of you might find yourself there right now in this season. But the psalmist reminds us that we have nothing to fear because it is in the valley that we find our Savior, that God is in the valley with us. And to be honest, I know that this might be uncomfortable, what I'm about to say, but sometimes our grief is God-caused. I, I think we can get along the idea that sometimes our grief is sin-caused. That, that's a very real reality, that sin brings us into our grief. And then I think there are times when we can even say that our grief is self-caused because we know who we are and we know the darkness and the depravity of our heart. And so we know that we, we cause our own grief sometimes. But, but there is another reality that sometimes our grief and our despair is God-caused and God-ordained. I don't know what that does with your theology, but there is most certainly God-ordained grief. And while that might sound anti-God to you, let me explain it in the natural. Let me explain it like this. 
We grew up at at my house having a very traditional Christmas around a traditional Christmas tree with traditional Christmas gifts. And uh, my dad would bring out the video recorder and, I mean, all of those things, right, with the VHS in there and everything like that. And uh, we we would record and we would would, uh, talk about what we're thankful for. We would pray. Sometimes we'd read some scripture and and then the gifts would be passed out. Each and every year, without fail, there were some gifts under that tree that I wanted, and there were other gifts under that tree that I never asked for. All right, so there were some gifts that had been on my list for a long time. So uh, I remember one year in particular, I really wanted a talk boy. Do you know what a talk boy is? A talk boy. It was a device that... Uh, that, that Macaulay Culkin, or Kevin McAllister, excuse me, used in Home Alone 2 to bamboozle the people that were trying to come into the, to his house. And so it was a talk boy, and it was a, a little recorder, but that you can transform the voices. It doesn't matter, but that was what I wanted that year. And it had been on my list for a long time. Another year, I remember I wanted a, a bass guitar and amp combo because I wanted to be a rock star. And the only way to do that was to play an instrument. And everyone else already knew how to play the piano and the guitar and to sing. So no one wanted to play the bass guitar. So I picked that one up. So that was on my list. But every Christmas, there were gifts that I got that were not on my list. Never once on my list in the 30 years of my life so far have I ever asked for socks. <laughs> that's, that's never crossed my mind. I never thought this Christmas if I could just get something to warm my toes. There's <laughs> never something that I wanted. Um, I, I never want anything regifted. I don't know about you. I know the tactics. Look, I use the tactics, but you're supposed to use those on people that you don't care for. Like the people, like not family, the people that you work with. I care for the people I work with, I promise. But uh, you're supposed to do it for the people you work with or, or maybe extended family or some friends you re-gift. But don't re-gift to me. I know that you are never walking in the store and you pass the candle aisle and you think, you know, Dustin might really want this apple spice and cinnamon scent. No, not now, not ever, Aunt Diane, I don't want your candles. Don't forget, there's there's stuff on my list. No one ever enjoys opening up batteries, but when the next gift is a digital camera or the next gift is the remote control car, then the batteries make sense. You see where I'm going? There are times where God allows and even gives you the gift of grief. And although it is difficult for a season and it is a gift that I never want, sometimes that season of sadness is necessary for God to instill within you the characteristics and the qualities that you need for the seasons to come. Not all grief is good. Please don't misunderstand me. Again, some of it is sin-caused. Some of it is self-caused. But I believe that God can use all grief for good. Second truth from our text that can help you find hope this season, number two, is this. I know my wants. God knows my needs. 
I know my wants. God knows my needs. You have reason to rejoice this season because God knows and gives you exactly what you want. Excuse me, the opposite of that, exactly what you need. Um, So Santa, he gives you exactly what you want. God gives you exactly what you need. And there's a big difference there. Uh, I, I feel like people come to Christ sometimes and they accept Jesus into their heart. They become Christ followers and somewhere in the process, they think that they are entitled to what they want. The, the God is this fairy in the sky that floats around and sprinkles a little blessing dust on all the good Christians, giving us, giving us exactly what we want. Thank God that he did not give me some of the things that I wanted in my life. Thank God that he did not answer some of the prayers that I asked at some points in my life. Can any of you relate? Huh? Thank God that that he didn't answer some of the prayers that I prayed in the past. God isn't interested in giving us what we want. It is so much better than that. He gives us exactly what we need. And parents, I shouldn't have to preach this to you, especially during the season. Your kids are probably already starting to make their Christmas lists. And you answer me right now. Is that list comprised primarily of items they need or items they want? I'll ask again. I had to do this last time. I don't know why people don't answer me. Uh, Parents or non-parents that just want to use your mind. Uh, If if your kids are coming up with a list of things uh, for Christmas that they want or that they would like to get, is it primarily what they want or is it a list of things they primarily need? Want. Absolutely. I know they think they need the new Paw Patroller, Sea Patroller transforming vehicle with lights and sounds. They, they need it. They, they, they think they do, right? They need the new Nerf Strike Elite Remote Control Drone Blaster. I mean, I think all of us does. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I know that your kids need the life-size baby doll that can use the bathroom in three different ways and throw up all over the place. (laughs) But you know as well as I do, and I don't even have kids yet, that if you were to give your children all the things that, the exact toys from their list, by this time next year, huh? by this time next year, those toys will be long forgotten that they will be obsolete, the batteries will have ran out, and there's only so much fake baby throw up that one kid can handle. But it doesn't matter how old you are. We all have issues distinguishing between our needs and our wants, but thankfully, God does not have a problem with that. He loves us way too much to give us just what we want. He knows and provides exactly what you need. I love how Jeremiah puts it in Lamentations 3.24, our text. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I say to myself, sometimes, church, you've got to preach to yourself You can't wait till the weekend to get the sermon. You have to be the preacher and remind yourself at times that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
Sometimes you got to preach to yourself that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Sometimes you have got to be your preacher, and it is okay at times to amen yourself. Sometimes you've got to preach, and you've got to be the choir, and you've got to be the congregation, and you've got to take up the offering too. You have to be your best preacher sometimes. Jeremiah here preaches to himself to remember that the Lord is his portion. Do you know what this means? This means that the Lord gives you exactly what you need. That if I've got him, I lack nothing. That if I have Jesus, there is nothing that I do not have. He is all I need. Church, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to weary yourself stressing out over the next few weeks. You don't have to fear what the future holds because the Lord is your portion today. And get this, he already lives in your tomorrow. He's already there. And as a child of God, all your days are numbered for you. And God is already there in each and every one of them. He knows what your future holds. So preach to yourself this morning. Come on, preach. The Lord is my portion. Come on, right now, we're going to preach. The Lord is my portion. Now just you, the Lord. One more time. All right, now whether you agree with that or you disagree, you believe or you disbelieve, you're having a great Christmas season or this is the worst, most miserable time of the year, you are going to preach to yourself because it is true, the Lord is my portion. Amen. I've heard it preached many times before in many different ways, but I've never heard someone preach this as well as Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mounts. Matthew chapter 6. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, they run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This weary world will exhaust you trying to get you to spend your life running back and forth, back and forth to please others and to satisfy yourself. And the only way to fight against this is to remind yourself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The presence of grief is not the absence of God. I know my wants, but God knows my needs. And the third and final truth comes from Lamentations 3.25 in our text. is arguably the most important one out of all three. I want to read the text first. Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Our third and final point, point number three, is this. My hope is Emmanuel. Give me just a moment to build this out. I know it might not make sense right up front. I don't know about you, but my social media this past week has been filled with people excited about Christmas. I've already seen the countdowns. I've seen the pictures of decorations of brightly lit Christmas trees. I've seen people in ugly Christmas sweaters already. 
For many people, Christmas is the most wonderful time yeah, of the year. Unless, of course, you've lost hope. Then it's not so wonderful. I want to share with you just a few prayer requests that we've received just this last week. So six, seven days ago, we, we had... Some of you, every week you write in prayer requests and the pastors and the staff, we pray for these requests and I'm not going to attach any names, but I want you to hear what some people are going through this very week, this Christmas season. Please pray for healing and comfort, strength for my brother who is recovering from a recent suicide attempt. He's hurting and lost, but I know God has bigger plans for him. Another Pray for my family as our marriage has completely fallen apart. Still another, pray that God helps my grandma to get through this holiday season as she is having to adjust to my grandpa not being around any longer. These are just three out of dozens and dozens of people that are hurting, and that are sick, and that are broken. For some, this season reminds you how much your family doesn't have. For some of you, this will be your first Christmas without that person that you dearly loved. And your question is, where is the hope? You're not alone. There will be many people that are hurting this Christmas season. For my family, and I know it's light and compared to some of what you're going through, but for my family, there are grandparents that are no longer with us. Kara's father, as I've mentioned before, won't be there celebrating with us because he'll be celebrating in heaven. And even just this last week, there's been two major surgeries within her family. And so I feel at least in, in part your weariness and your hurts and your loss. But what I'm trying to do right now is tell you that in Christ there is always hope because on the first Christmas, God came down. On the very first Christmas, God put on flesh, flesh, and Jesus showed up. Emmanuel, he was given the title Emmanuel, which means God with us. That he's no longer far away, that he's not some distant being far off in the cosmos, but that he came down to walk with you and I. But not only that, he lived a life that you and I could not live, and he died in our place and he died for us and his body was broken for us his blood was poured out in other words he took on the hopelessness of this weary world upon himself and he died and in that death he gave you and me great hope hebrews puts it this way hebrews chapter 12 let us Run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Life Church, we can rejoice in Jesus because God gives us hope. 
and the way that he gives us hope is that he came into this weary world to walk with you and to live for you and to endure opposition in your place so that you would not grow weary and lose hearts. This is what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus coming into a weary world. And listen, if you'll just give me one more minute, I just believe that someone is either sitting in this room or at one of our services, maybe watching online or at a later time, who needs to hear this. Don't give up. Do not lose hope. With, with the last bit of my voice that I have today, I have to tell you, do not surrender. You cannot lose hope because in Jesus Christ, there is always hope. I know that you might feel like you've lost heart. I know that you might feel like you are at the end of your rope, that you are weary, and there is no, there is no way that you will be able to repair and restore and get back to the place that you once were. I get that you don't have much more to give, and I get and understand that the night seems so long and that it seems like there's no end in sight. But I promise you that there is a new and glorious morn that is just about to break. Hold on. Hold on to hope. Listen, the pain is real, but so is hope. We can make it through this Christmas season by remembering the first Christmas. See, even through the chaos of the night, there was still a thrill of hope. Because after centuries of men and women expecting and waiting eagerly for a Savior to come and to rescue them from their bondage, the one who they had been waiting on had finally arrived. And very few knew or understood at the time. There were only a few that, that really realized the significance of this holy night. But for all people, the weary world that we once knew would be changed forever. I'm about to pray for you, but I... It's not going to be in just a sermon and a simple prayer that is going to bring about this, this restoration of hope in your life. Maybe it's going to take you flinging yourself at the feet of Jesus and, and asking for his strength and help because you're not going to be able to make it on your own. Listen, as soon as I pray, and we're going to do a few more things in the service, but before you leave today, there's going to be prayer partners up front, and they're going to want to pray with you. You don't have to come and tell them exactly what's going on, but you could just come and maybe with a broken spirit, might even have tears in your eyes, you just say, I need prayer. And these men and women are equipped to pray for you and to believe with you that God is going to give you his strength this season. So I want to encourage you, before you leave those doors today, stop by this front, get some prayer.